Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, we come today to the great feast of the Ascension of the Lord. It's one of my favorite feasts of the year because it sheds so much light on who we are as Christians and what we're supposed to be about as church. I want to talk about the ascension of Jesus from two perspectives. The first one I'm going to call more political, and you'll see what I mean. The second I'm going to call more liturgical. I think both are very important to understand what it means to speak of the ascension of Jesus. Okay, let's take the first thing first. We say that Jesus ascends to heaven. Now, we shouldn't over-literalize this and think of this as a journey through a space, you know, as though Jesus is somewhere out in the, in the um, deep reaches of space now. Heaven's being used here as a metaphor for God's manner of being. The resurrected Jesus, if I can put it this way, appeared for a time on a kind of event horizon, to use that language from speculative physics. Think of the horizon between two dimensional systems, ours and a transcendent one. For a time, he appeared on the horizon. And you know how strange the risen Jesus seems. We're passing through walls and, and confounding those who see him, and they're, they're puzzled by him, etc., I think it, he has all the marks of someone who's, who's dwelling, as it were, on both sides of this divide. Well, at some point, and the Bible tells us it's 40 days, but at some point, these appearances of Jesus end, and we speak of Jesus going definitively into the realm of heaven, ascending into the heavenly space. Now, here's the first thing to notice. To say that Jesus has gone into the heavenly space does not mean he's gone away. So if someone left the earth, you know, and now we say now they're living on, you know, another solar system beyond ours, they're, you know, they're light years away, etc. Well, yeah, that's someone who's far, far away and who now has almost nothing to do with us. He's gone so far away. Don't think of it that way. Heaven is not so much in another place within this dimensional system. It's another realm, God's realm. We say God is everywhere, right? Now, why? That's because God is beyond space and time, and that means he can be present to all space and time. So I say God is, is here in this room where I am now. Yeah, true. God is where you are. Yeah, absolutely. Precisely because he's over space and time, he could be present to all of space and time. So Jesus, now having gone to heaven, doesn't mean he's gone away. It means he's gone to a realm where he now can touch upon all of space and time. Now I want to bring the political side of the ascension forward. 
he's gone to this realm, and I'll use this military metaphor, going to a kind of height or higher point of vantage where he can now direct all the operations of the church. See, now, you read the Acts of the Apostles, everybody. That's exactly what it's about. It's about how the risen and ascended Jesus now directs the activities of his apostles, all those whom he has sent. The ascended Jesus is not up, up, and away, gone away, goodbye, Jesus. No, he's gone to be the governor of the church. Do you see something now? Notice this when you, when you recite the creed. We speak of Jesus having ascended and now seated at the right hand of the Father. Well, that's a political image. The one who sits at the right hand of the king is a kind of prime minister or plenipotentiary, right? Someone's been given the authority of the king now to govern. Well, that's the ascended Jesus, given the authority of God the Father to govern the church and to send us on mission. Now, here's a, here's a little flip side or want another angle on this that might seem at tension with what I've been saying, but really it's not. I've been emphasizing how it doesn't mean he's gone away. But in another sense, the ascended Jesus has opened up the space for all of us to act. Now, think for a second if um, you're a, a budding politician, you're a young guy that wants to get onto the political scene, and what if Churchill and Roosevelt and Lincoln were still around? <laughs> you know, you'd say, well, what room is there for me? What can I possibly do with these great titanic figures still dominating the scene? What if Jesus, you know, in his kind of ordinary historical manifestation, were still around? Well, I mean, we'd say, well, Lord, you do it. Lord, you take over. You know, I'll leave it up to you. No, see, in a way, his ascension does represent a kind of opening up of the arena, listen now, so that you and I can have the privilege of continuing the Lord's work here below. As we receive his command from the heavenly space, we now do his work of healing and teaching and evangelizing, etc. To me, that's the, the marvelous side, the, if you want, the political side of Jesus reigning from the right hand of the Father, enabling us. Remember in John's Gospel when the Lord says, you'll do greater things than I've done. Well, you know, as I speak into this microphone, I'm aware of the fact that my words now are going to go out to more people than the words of the historical Jesus ever went out to. He spoke to, you know, by our standards, relatively small crowds on the hills of Galilee and along the seashore. My words now, and, you know, look at me, I'm this <laughs> sinner. My words are going out to, to more people than Jesus' words went out to. Okay, I've been given the privilege by the ascended Christ of doing his work. Okay, so that's, that's one side of it. Here's the second side of the ascension, and I call it liturgical. If you go back now to the ancient uh, Jewish temple, on the great Feast of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the high priest that one day would go into the Holy of Holies, he'd pass through the veil, and there he'd perform sacrifice and so on. 
and he would place upon the scapegoat the sins of the people, and then that scapegoat would be driven out into the desert. On that great day, the high priest would purify his people. He would call forth the forgiveness of God from that holy place. Okay. Could I invite everybody, we have a little time because this book is a bit more complicated, but take out your Bibles and read through the marvelous letter to the Hebrews. That letter was written clearly by somebody who was either a temple priest or knew a lot about the temple because he compares the risen and ascended Jesus precisely to the high priest on the Day of Atonement. Now, what's he talking about? This is from Hebrews chapter 4. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. Amazing what he's saying there. It's amazing, isn't it? The ascended Jesus is seen now as having passed through the veil that separates this world from the higher world. What's he going to do? He's going to enter into the heavenly temple and present to the Father this great sacrifice that he performed. Mind you, shedding his blood on the cross and, and, like the scapegoat, taking upon himself the sin of the world. The ascended Christ brings this great sacrifice through the veil into the Holy of Holies on high so that he might plead for us eternally at the throne of the Father. Does that make sense? The great sacrifice of the cross is now permanently present in the heavenly temple. The act by which we are reconciled to the Father now exists in that heavenly place. You know, the other place, everyone, to look for this is in the book of Revelation. Because the visionary who writes that book talks about passing through a kind of doorway into the heavenly place. What does he find? He finds the king on his throne. There's God the Father surrounded by the saints and angels and elders engaged in acts of worship. But then who appears? Who appears in that heavenly liturgical court but the lamb standing as though slain? That means Christ the Lamb slain on the cross. But see, there he is in the heart of the heavenly court offering to the Father his sacrifice. That's the ascended Jesus, ascended to this heavenly place. Okay, now one last connection. Again, this doesn't mean he's gone up, up, and away. Jesus is gone somewhere far away. No, no. Every time, listen, fellow Catholics, every time that we gather for the Mass, what are we doing? We are joining our sacrifice 
to the eternal sacrifice that Christ is offering to the Father in heaven. We are making sacramentally present to us the eternal sacrifice offered by the Son to the Father. And here's one of the keys. When you're at Mass now, next time, attend to this. Just before the Eucharistic prayer, right, which is the moment when the great sacrifice is represented, what do we say? Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. What is that? That's the prayer and song of the angels. And we say, may our voices be one with theirs. We're putting ourselves sacramentally in union with the ascended Christ, offering his sacrifice to the Father, so that our harmonious singing here below echoes the harmonious singing of the angels and saints in the heavenly temple. That's the liturgical side of the ascension of Jesus. Politically, he he sits at the right hand of the Father. And from there, he sends us out to do his work. Liturgically, he presents eternally to the Father the great sacrifice of the cross. And we join ourselves to that sacrifice. Do you see now why the ascension matters so much for the life of the church? In a way, everybody, it explains the church in all its dimensions. Liturgically, yes, and in everything else that we are sent to do by the ascended Christ. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.